0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Sean the Baptist Live for Wednesday, January 27th, 2021. I'm, I'm not actually live, well, I, I suppose I, I'm alive, but I'm not live in our normal weekly format because today on Wednesday, as you are listening to this, I am headed to my annual retreat, eight days to be alone and, well, talk with God. Otherwise, complete silence, silent retreat, eight days. Uh, so I meet with my director every day for about an hour and then talk with God. So pray for me while I'm away. Tonight, though, I'm bringing you a special episode of Sean the Baptist Live, Uh, and it was actually recorded live just last night on Tuesday, where I spoke to a group called Project Chrysalis here in Kansas City. It's a group formed for uh, adults who have had children die, uh, often, sometimes older adult children, perhaps from suicide or... Uh, even younger children, all parents or grandparents even, who experienced uh, the loss of a child. And so I I worked in some previous themes that we've talked about, a little on the liturgical year, but lots of other stuff about grief and suffering and how to deal with these big kind of traumas in our life. So I I hope that everyone will will find this helpful, and then I'll be uh, away next week, so there will be no Sean the Baptist live uh, on Wednesday, the 3rd of February, but I will be back with you live 6.30 on February 10th. So no morning messages and no Sean the Baptist Live, just silence for eight days. So I invite you to pray for me and enjoy tonight's special episode of Sean the Baptist Live with Project Chrysalis.
1: Uh, Father Sean Tunic is our guest tonight. He's the associate pastor at St. Patrick's Parish in um, KCK. Father Sean has been a friend for a number of years. Um, really pretty, pretty amazing story, Um how we got to know father sean who did a beautiful beautiful homily um on blaine and uh, this his story when he died um it was because of scouts um father sean is the uh, chaplain for the scouts for the archdiocese and um actually was saying mass we had no idea he was going to do this in his homily we're sitting there and just looking at each other in awe uh but he shares the story of blaine and um Um, a young man named Zach Shopper, who was a great young man who was also an Eagle Scout who helped Blaine. Um, So we just invited Father Sean on tonight um, because he has been an amazing priest, an amazing um, leader of the Scouts, and a great friend. And so Father Sean, thank you for being with us tonight. And We're going to let you take it away.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Ken. Good, uh, good to be with you, uh, with all of you. And uh, this is my first time to, to talk to the uh, Project uh, Chrysalis group, so I'm, I'm happy to be with you. Uh, you. You hear me there, Ken? Everything good? Sounds good? All right. Well, very good then. Um, well, you know, one of the things I, I... Ken did start to mention a little bit, uh, the story of how he and I met and... Uh, Literally, uh, I had never met uh, Ken or Patty before, and I, was, um, I am the, the scout chaplain for the archdiocese, so I'm chaplain for all the, the scouts, and uh, I, I was doing our annual scout. Uh, I created a little cooking competition to kick off the year, and uh, I remember Ken had called me up and said, you know, our son was an Eagle Scout and died recently, and we have a little foundation, and could we set up a, a booth? At your uh, scouting event. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. And um, I remember I was sitting there talking with Ken and Patty at their booth, and they were telling me the story of of Blaine how, you know, he had uh, had his accident and was on the side of the road. And, you know, it was, they have a great love for scouts because of, of course, Blaine was an Eagle Scout. And, um, they said, you know, but the most amazing thing was that, you know, another Eagle Scout came and was going to take care uh, of Blaine and what he didn't know, but would, would be his last moments. And actually, uh, this this Eagle Scout, you know, he came, took care of him. He said, you know, hey, I'm, I'm a, an Eagle Scout, uh, too, and it, it was a great honor. And uh, I remember asking Ken at that time, boy, do, do you remember the, the name uh, of that Scout? And he's like, oh, absolutely. His name was Zach Shopper. And Ken didn't know this, but uh, Zach's dad, Mike Shopper uh, was a, a big uh, member of our Catholic Committee on Scouting who was there at the event uh, helping me put it on. So I, I I looked at Ken, I said, Zach Shopper, I, hold on. I'm like, his his dad's right over here. I'm like, have you ever met him or, or seen him since? I and mean, no, we haven't seen him. Have we? We just know the name. I'm like, well, his his dad's right over here. And uh, Mike called up his son Zach and got him to come to the event. And so we we had uh, we had Zach there for the uh, the closing mass, and it was really quite the deal. And um, so yeah, I've known Ken and, and Patty ever since that. Gosh, that was early days of priesthood, Ken. So that was I don't know maybe ten more than that maybe 10 11 years ago or something so uh, ever since then I've been uh, trying to do what I I can in my uh, ministry and in, in the archdiocese and in various ways so I, I sometimes I do radio uh, with Ken which is fun and as a result of that uh, uh, Ken told me about this wonderful project uh, chrysalis group that that you all have and um, it was 2012, Father. 2012 okay I was I was close I'm I'm gonna be a priest 13 years this this spring, so uh, um, I've been a scout 34 years, so quite a while, I'm an Eagle Scout myself. Um, so anyway, with all, you know how scouts can get, we get talking scouts and it'll just go on forever. Um, you know, I'll get talking about Philmont and I'm gonna be at Philmont New Mexico this summer and then it's just all over and all we'll do, we'll talk about scouts. Uh, so we won't do that, but, um, what I what I did thought that maybe I would would do tonight uh, a little bit is um, my major I guess focus interest in, in kind of my academic study in in my time has been to study the sacred liturgy uh, the, the holy of the mass the other sacraments uh, my advanced degree called a sacred theology licentiate an STL kind of like a, a almost doctorate in the church uh, is in liturgy and sacramental theology. And um, so I thought there was an interesting tie in um, with the way that our liturgical year is, is organized and, and the way that uh, we might deal a little bit with um, trauma in our life, traumatic events, uh, because we'll see that the, uh, the church's liturgical year uh, is, is kind of a, a circle. So it, it's really the same two events, uh, Christmas and Easter, and primarily Easter, that every year we, we circle back to. Um, pull this up here so you can see it. This is one of those liturgical calendar diagrams. And so if you, if you look over to about nine o'clock where the, the green meets the, the purple, that's, that's the beginning of the liturgical uh, year. So that's Advent there. That was first one, two, three, four. That's the first four weeks of Advent. And then that little yellow area is Christmas. Then you've got a first part of Ordinary Time. Then the next purple is Lent. Those those three red days are the sacred triduum of Holy Thursday to Easter Sunday evening. And then of course, you've got another white slash yellow area and that's Easter. And then that big secondary green area, which is the second part of Ordinary Time. So you see how it's a circle. And uh, each year we we circle back around. And so we, we look again at the the same events but always from a different perspective because you know you can't do the exact same experience twice so no two easters are the same and, and no two christmases are the same and uh, certainly we know that this year De- definitely christmas 2020 will never be like any other christmas god willing um, and, and easter 2020 it was it was me and father mark in, a, in an almost empty church here at st pat's so we had to no people there and we just live streamed it. So uh, every year is different. And we we kind of circle back around to the same event and see it again from a a different uh, perspective. And so we're all eventually end up with this tonight and and I might talk for about maybe half an hour and then I understand you guys normally like to have questions. Um, So hopefully not all the question asker people are gone tonight, but some of you are the question asker people because I like questions. So if you got a question while I'm talking, you know like, wave at me or or something, and I'm happy to answer. But um, I thought that the same way that our liturgical year kind of goes around in circles around the the same events, there's a little bit in which um, meaningful events that that aren't so, so great, like Christmas and Easter, but traumatic events like loss of a loved one and all the anniversaries that go with that like well this was their birthday or this would you know better have been the, the time that we did this together or this was the last time we did this and you know you've all kind of got that that little mental calendar of dates in in your head that some are more or less traumatic uh, than others but they come up cyclically in the calendar and sometimes for you know no specific date at all sometimes things just uh, just come up. Um, but particularly in the the cyclical nature of our year and the fact that we repeat the same dates, I think, can bring up um, some events. So I, I'd like to look a little bit about how the church uses the, the liturgical calendar to kind of cause us to go deeper each year into these, these mysteries of our faith and maybe see how that can, can help us a little bit with how we deal with kind of the reoccurrence of, you know, difficult anniversaries and, and things in, in our life. So um, probably most of you know, and I'll just go ahead, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a liturgy nerd. So if this gets boring, you just, hey, Father Sean, you're, you're a liturgy nerd, just just stop. Um, but for, for right now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you through a little bit of um, an important aspect, I think, of a liturgical year that, that most people don't realize. So I, I said that um, we, we start with, with Advent. So that's the, that first section of purple there that's got the first, second, third, fourth week uh, so this is before the uh, the calendar New Year, of course. Everybody else starts their New Year on January first. We we don't do that in the church. We we start with well about November thirtieth, whatever Sunday is closest to that, um, and so that starts our New Year. And so we we do in fact start at the the beginning of the story. We start with Advent, which is preparing for the coming of Jesus. Well, you know. If, if you pay attention at Mass, the uh, the Sunday right before the first Sunday of Advent is the Sunday of Christ the King, which we're preparing for the coming of Jesus. So we're like, it's Christ the King Sunday. Let's prepare for Jesus to come back in glory. And yay, yeah, get ready. Jesus is coming. And the King of glory comes. The nation rejoices. Open, you know, that whole thing. That It's, it's yay, yeah, Jesus is coming. Well, then it, the new year starts and it's the first Sunday of Advent. And it's like, the king of glory comes, the nation rejoices, open the gates before him. You know, because Jesus is coming. And this time it's, it's at Christmas, but it's still Jesus coming. And so, particularly the first part of Advent, we're really looking at Jesus' return in glory. So we see how, unlike the secular calendar that goes from, oh, it's December 31st, uh, 2020, and oh God riddance, get rid of that. Something completely new starts on January 1st. Uh, and, and we do that, and we're like, okay, forget what just happened. Let's start over. I'm going to make New Year's resolutions. I'm going to join a gym. Even though I joined that gym last year and I didn't go, I'm going to join a gym again. I'm going to start a diet. And it's just like completely new. Well, the church doesn't quite do it that way. We end with, get ready, Jesus is coming. And then we continue with, okay, get ready, Jesus is coming. But as Advent goes on, you see we start to transition to think about Jesus's first coming as well as his second coming. So Advent means coming, it's all about coming. So we we get ready, but notice, and this is where it fits in to uh, the the whole circular nature of everything. We're not really getting ready for the first coming of Jesus, okay? We're not reliving, oh gosh, let's pretend Jesus is gonna come as a little baby this Christmas. No, Jesus has already come, lived, died, ascended to heaven and is is with us now in the, the Eucharist and reigning from heaven. So we, we can't back the train up. And, you know, that's a common thing that we, we want to do sometimes in grief and trauma. Back up and say, well, well, well what if this and, and what if that? And we want to, you know, kind of back up and redo it. It's not possible for human beings to back up in time and redo anything. We, we only live forward. But as I say, it's kind of a, a spiral that we're, we're always moving forward. But we, we can kind of circle back and look at events, but we, we can't back up and relive them. So as we look at the coming of Jesus, we, we always look at his first coming in light of his second coming. So when we think of Jesus coming in Bethlehem, well, we think, all right, when Jesus came the first time, uh, people who were supposed to be ready, weren't ready. I mean, that's the whole point of, of the founding of the Jewish people, God's chosen people. What were they chosen to do? Prepare for the Messiah and point him out when he came so that everyone could share in the joy of God's chosen people, to know that really all God's people, Jews and Gentiles were meant to be chosen. So that was their mission, prepare for the coming of the Messiah. And when he came, people missed it because he came not as they expected. He came in poverty and humility and as a little baby and not a fierce warrior that's gonna just kick the crap out of everybody and and establish a political dynasty. So we should be ready at his second coming that Jesus, um, we need to be ready. We are called now, like the Jews were, to prepare for the coming of Jesus. So as we look at his coming in Bethlehem, we might ask ourselves, gosh, okay, how ready am I for the coming of the Messiah? Because I I can't have been there 2000 years ago when he came the first time, but he's going to come for me, whether it's it's at my own death or his coming at the end of the world. This coming I can prepare for, and it's going to take place in my lifetime either at the very last moment of my life or when Jesus returns in glory. So we can kind of think, where do we miss the comings of Jesus in our life every day? Uh, the, the people in Jerusalem, King Herod, for instance, and all the people with him when in Matthew's gospel, it says that the Magi, the three, three Kings, we, we don't know for sure. There were three of them, but they, they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So why not? Um, you know, Otherwise, maybe they have to fight over the the gifts. So we'll we'll go with the traditional three kings of Orient. Uh, they show up and they say, "Hey, the the, the newborn King. Where is he?" And of course, Herod and all the people in Jerusalem it says are they're upset. They're just bewildered and they're they're frightened. Okay, this is Jerusalem. This is capital of Welcome Messiah Central, and and they're not ready. So it kind of reminds us then. What might I be doing uh, to miss the the signs of Jesus that are present every day? And and particularly if we get so wrapped up in one big event. Well, you know, we might have a certain prayer that we're praying for. We really want God to answer our prayer, and it's one big thing. And then we miss all the little comings of Jesus all the time uh, because of that. Uh, So one of the things that I really try to pay attention to each day is not living just for the big moments, uh, like Christmas and Easter, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about that. Um, but where are the little comings each day? Okay, so Advent is that season that we prepare for the coming of Jesus. Thinking about 2,000 years ago, but the only good it does to think about 2,000 years ago, uh, in addition to give us a chance to bake Christmas cookies and, and watch Charlie Brown Christmas each year, and Rudolph. Um, It gives us a chance to think about, okay, how can I get ready for Jesus' coming at the end of time, the end of my life, or especially today? So then we hit Christmas, the the big first coming of Jesus, we celebrate that. And then as we just went through it, you know, Christmas lasts. There's the octave of Christmas, so that's eight days where we celebrate every day as Christmas. That ends on January 1st, uh, when everyone else finally catches up and celebrates New Year. Uh, and, and then most people know about the 12 days of Christmas because, hey, there's a song about it. So why not? On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. And then we got, you know, you got to repeat it over and over and you get 12 days of Christmas. It, it's not just a cool song. I mean, not that it's not a cool song. It is. Uh, you got your, your 12 Lords of Leaping and Piper's Piping and Ladies Dancing and who doesn't love a good song about Piper's Piping. But the, the real point of that is that Christmas would go up to Epiphany, so 12 days leads you the day before Epiphany, which is January 6th, which gives you the nice title of a Shakespearean play, Twelfth Night, or what you will. When you hear the phrase Twelfth Night, you're like, what the heck's Twelfth Night? Twelfth Night is the night of the twelfth day of Christmas, which is the vigil of Epiphany. So there's a little cultural Shakespearean reference into our Catholic calendar. Shakespeare, probably Catholic, look that up. Anyway, uh, so we get to the Epiphany, and then after Epiphany, we, we end the Christmas season with the baptism of the Lord. Now, the season that we're in right now, and this is really kind of uh, the spiritual point that uh, all that liturgy nerd stuff aside, the season that we're in right now, the um, church in English translation, at least, calls for us the season of ordinary time. Now that's just about the the worst, most blah sounding name for anything I could think of. You know, it's like, yay, we just had Christmas, and now where are we? Ordinary time. Just ordinary. Nothing is happening. We just go through the blah of life, waiting for Easter to come. Well, that's that's really not it at all. In fact, uh, as most of you probably realize, our our Mass, as we have it in English, is a, a translation so we are, we are technically Latin Catholics as opposed to Eastern Catholics. We're Latin Catholics, that means our Mass is in Latin and it gets translated into various languages. And in Latin, the original language of the Missal from where all the translations are made, you won't find the phrase ordinary time. Rather, there's a much nicer title for this season. It is called tempus per annum, which means time through the year. Nothing ordinary about that time through the year, that's actually pretty cool. Um, because it's its not, even in English, the, the ordinary part doesn't mean blah. Uh, it they, they named it that because each of the Sundays is named with an ordinal number. The first Sunday, the second, well, there is no first Sunday, but the second Sunday, the third Sunday, the fourth Sunday in ordinary time. Uh, if you remember your English class, cardinal numbers are like one, two, three. Ordinal numbers, Are like first second third so each sunday in ordinary time is named with an ordinal number the second sunday in ordinary time the third sunday in ordinary time so that's why it's called ordinary time in english in latin it's tempus per annum time through the year and so that's much better because it it kind of takes our uh our bias away from this idea that like okay christmas and easter are what's important and then in between is just uh Okay, you've got seasons of preparing, like Advent and Lent, but the rest of it, you know, that that big chunk there, like, wow, that's a lot of green, just blah, just ordinary, nothing to see here, oh my gosh, it's summer, let's go out and party and wait until Advent comes in the fall, then we can get excited again. Okay, that's that's not what the church wants us to do at all. Rather, um, if you think about it, most of life is not lived at some big, huge mountaintop moment experience. Like Christmas and Easter, nobody really has to do a whole lot to to tell you get excited at Christmas and Easter. Okay, it's even built into our culture. We're gonna bake cookies. We're we're gonna get little chocolate bunnies at Easter. You know, everybody kind of celebrates. Jews celebrate Christmas for your goodness sake because everyone else is. So why not? Well, you know, we we had to throw Hanukkah in there even as very little significance for most of the other Jewish holidays but somebody's got to celebrate something and isn't it sad that the Jews can't celebrate Christmas so let's celebrate Hanukkah I mean everybody celebrates Christmas and Easter so it's not that hard but in between this is where I think the real spiritual work goes on it's it's the in between time um and so that's why I think far from being ordinary it's the time through the year the time in between the big moments where the, the real spiritual life is done. Because let's face it, 90% of our life is spent in that in-between time. There, there are big events in our life, like Christmas and Easter, but those are few and far between. And most of our life is not on a mountaintop and it's not down in a valley. It It's the level plain in-between. And yeah, there are a few peaks and there are valleys, but for the most part, we live on the plain in-between where it's just trucking through doing what we're supposed to do each day. And I think that's an important kind of lesson, um, especially if we've maybe experienced some some big moments in our lives that aren't such happy moments like Christmas and Easter, like a loss of a child. And we, we've got these big kind of moments, and it would be easier for us to kind of, you know, maybe organize our life almost around this, this big moment and let our life get so focused that, you know, every day would kind of be, you know, especially when we're close to the traumatic event, you know, how many days is it since it happened or today this, and there's always the, the memories coming up and, you know, we just kind of want to stay and sit on that huge mountain of this traumatic experience. And everyone needs to stay there for as as long as you need to stay there. But eventually you gotta come down from the big emotionally peaking experience and and come back down to the normal level everyday and frankly, yeah, somewhat ordinary boredom of life. Um, one I, I, you know the the mountain kind of peak experience with trauma, it doesn't work quite as well because um, you can get back up there pretty quick, you know, even after you're down in level and you think everything's okay. Uh, it doesn't always work that way. I, I found a little uh, graphic. I don't know if some of you have seen this 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 helped me. Um, it's uh, an analogy for trauma using a a box and a, a ball. and in the box, the, that little red thing is a little button and that is the the pain button. So when there's there's trauma, uh, you know there's this pain button and you you press the the button and you you feel pain. Well, in this box is this big ball. That's the green ball, and it's bouncing around. And so, when the when the ball is big and it's bouncing around, it keeps hitting the pain button, you know, over and over and over. And and this is what it's like, especially near that that peak kind of event. So your your little ball is is taking up the whole box, and it just keeps hitting pain and pain and pain over and and over. Uh, that's that's kind of like a you know if if this is normal that this is a spike uh in our our normal well-being but what happens over time is that the the ball gets smaller so instead of a huge ball that that fills the whole box the the ball gets smaller and so it, it does bounce around still but it it's it's hitting the button like less and less uh so you you learn to to move on uh, everyone talk, always talk about, oh, move on. I You know, I, I sometimes hate that when, when I'm going through something traumatic in my life uh, and someone's like, well, what you need to do is, you know, think about it less. I, I think, you know, what you need to do now is move on. I just want to punch somebody in the face. Basically, they say that. I mean, to me, that says you're an idiot who's never been through serious trauma to know how to deal with this. Um, yeah, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Say to me, you know what? I think you need to stop thinking about it, and I what I'm supposed to be like? oh, that's it. I sh- I should stop thinking about it. Stupid. I wish I had thought about not thinking about it. I just that's what I'll do. I'll just stop thinking about it. Wow. Thank you. No, I've got a big ball in my box that keeps hitting my my little pain button. And I'd love to stop thinking about it. I want my ball to be smaller because then I think about it less because the trauma has gotten smaller and it's been enough time, enough whatever. But there's, there's nothing you're going to do to, to make it so that you, you can lessen that, that peak of an experience. The ball's just got to get smaller. And the worst thing I think people could do is, is make it, not only do you feel like crap because you're going through this, your pain button's getting activated, but then some wise guy wants to tell you, oh yeah, and it's basically your fault because what you need to do is move on. Ah. okay, so you guys have probably experienced that, but um, yeah, just know that uh, there are some people who, who get that and so now you can be one of those people that um, can, can help others. Um, because here's the deal: even when even when the ball gets small and it hits the button less, that one of the points of this example is when, when that little ball even hits the pain button, there's still just as much pain as when there was the big huge ball. So, and this is what really gets us sometimes in, in trauma and grief. You're like, okay, it's been however long. I, you know, maybe I should be Maybe we say it to ourselves: I should be over this, or I should be there. Don't shut on yourself no shooting on yourself. It's it's a bad idea. Because when, when the little ball, even if it gets the size of a marble, when it hits the pain button, it's still the same pain as if it just happened. Uh, and sometimes it just, you know, it's worse because you think, oh, I'm good. I'm good. Your ball is bouncing around, but it's not hitting the button. And then one day, boom, it hits the button. You're like, where did that come from? You know, Why am I back there? Um, so I, I think it's good for us to keep in mind that all right, when, when we're at one of those peak kind of experiences where there's a lot of pain and the buttons getting hit, we won't be there forever. okay We, we are gonna we are gonna come down and most of our life cannot be lived in in the light of the, the peak experience of a pain uh, or a trauma. It, it's gonna it's gonna be like that especially at the beginning. But then as we get further out, there are gonna be peaks the The little ball is going to hit the button, but we we go further and further in between, and it's maybe you know not as often and frequent. But living that that in between time, um, that that's where the real Christian kind of life is about, and that's why I I like in the uh, in the extraordinary form calendar or the the Latin Mass. You remember uh, Pope Benedict. Uh, allowed and encouraged, really, all priests uh, to celebrate not just the what we know as the ordinary form today, so the, the Mass of Paul VI after Vatican II, but to continue to celebrate the the Mass of the last fifteen hundred years, the, the Latin Mass, as it's sometimes called, um, to to continue to do that. And in the extraordinary form calendar, so it's not just its own missal, it's its own calendar. Uh, the the arrangement of the liturgical year is is similar, but that uh, the time that we call ordinary time. Not only is it is it called Tempus Peranum in the traditional liturgy, but the the two periods of Tempus Peranum are are named uh, the time after Epiphany and the time after Pentecost. So here's the uh, the the uh, one drawn out. So you see, it's got the two periods of green because we wear green vestments. But but notice that the January February green. It's not Ordinary Time, you know, part one, it's the season of Epiphany. And then the big chunk of green after Pentecost, that's the season after Pentecost. So right now, for instance, in the Latin Mass calendar, we are in the third week after Epiphany. Doesn't that sound a heck of a lot better than the third week of ordinary time, you know? No, these are the days after Epiphany okay that's exciting or the days after pentecost that's not ordinary what does that do it it calls our mind to say okay yes we we've had this big event in our life you know I I was talking about trauma so yes we've had that event uh and so we, we can't go back we can't make it not happen but we live now in the days after that and so we we live in liturgically speaking in the uh in the extraordinary form calendar, we live in the days after Epiphany. So think about what that means. That means we are people who like the Magi at Epiphany. They're they're behind me here, by the way. Okay, uh, those little guys, the, the kings, okay. See, I've still got my manger scene up because I'm a liturgy nerd. And one of the things liturgy nerds get to do is that there's a somewhat small tea tradition that you can kind of keep manger scenes up until February 2nd, uh, the Feast of the Presentation or Candlemas. Uh, because they do it at the Vatican, so why not? Because I put the thing up on Christmas, and my my grandpa made that for me. So it's made of little uh, hickory sticks uh, from from his uh, from my great grandmother's actually uh, farm. Um, so that's uh, I don't even know if I can some can I blow this up somehow for you? I don't know. No, I don't know. Maybe I can find a way to. Oh yeah, hey there. I can kind of blow it up. So there's my little manger scene. Isn't that cute? My grandpa made it for me. And um, yeah, so there are the three kings and yeah, hay from my great grandmother's farm and nice little things. So I leave it up until February 2nd, but but think about that, that the, uh, the, the Magi, they encounter Jesus at Epiphany, huge event. And so much so that in the Gospel of Matthew, it says that they, They return back to their own home by another road, which is historically accurate. They didn't go back to Jerusalem to Herod. But it also means that their life was changed so that their whole life went by a different road at that point. Uh, After you encounter something big like that, there is a sense in which your life changes such that uh, it's never gonna be the same. And that's the kind of event that we had at Christmas. After the coming of Jesus into the world, our life can never be the same and that that was true 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, it's true today. After we encounter Jesus, after Jesus comes into our life, our life can never be the same. We don't go back to, oh, now Christmas is over, so we go back to ordinary. No, we don't go back to anything. We go forward in the days after Epiphany. What will we live now that we've had this encounter with, with Jesus? And that's not 2,000 years ago. All of us at this Christmas, we encounter Jesus, I hope, how will your life be different because of that? So you see why it's a heck of a lot better to call these the days after Epiphany. It's like the days after I met Jesus. Okay, that's a heck of a lot better than like nothing happened here, ordinary. Just forget about it till Easter. You know, Lent, that'll be cool because we get fish fries, that'll be nice. Fish fries and bingo. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Well, no, it's like, are you kidding? These are the days after Epiphany. That's exciting. Or to think that the whole church right now is basically living out the mystery of the days after Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has come upon the church, and we live in the days after Pentecost. Uh, that's exciting. It means that, yes, there are these peak experiences, but the time that we live in between is where the the rubber really meets the road, and we, we live changed. Not that we want to hang out on the mountain all the time. Oh, we wish it was always Christmas and always Easter. No, we get on with the work of, of life and just like, no matter what traumas we've been through, life does go on and there are things to be done and we, we continue to grow in our holiness and our journey towards God. Um, but every now and then, we circle back around to the big events. Say, so yeah, let's, now that we've lived through the year, per annum for another year, let's, let's see what Christmas means to me this year or let's see what, what Easter means this year. And boy, I remember this year, especially me and a lot of people, like, boy, we need Christmas this year. Boy, do I need Christmas. We need Jesus to come because 2020 has been a mess and we need a savior. That, okay, this was a, a different kind of experience of that. And so we're gonna continue to go around now. And Easter this year, we're probably still gonna be, you know, kind of small. The COVID's not gonna be gone by Easter, but it'll be different. We'll be able to have people now. And so this Easter will be a little bit different. We'll be coming out of the tomb a little bit. Um, you know, each of us is living this, circulating uh, a move a, a little bit. Over and over and over, but each time different. Okay, well, I, I've got 7:45, uh, and, and none of you have like flipped out waving at me. So, I, I want to just stop and and see kind of if there there's some questions here that you would like to to ask. Like now, go ahead. Anybody? Yeah, you're, you're all on mute. Yeah, I was I was afraid of this. Was-
1: took the liturgical year and kind of took us around that um, because I think so many times um, we look at just like you mentioned we talk about ordinary time and it's that it's really not a great name because of the fact that it isn't ordinary it's 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 no less special than those other times of the liturgical year that we experience but I think that the beautiful thing you talked about is is going through those times going through those um times in the liturgical year that um, whether it's Christmas, whether it's Advent, whatever it is, and it's those times that are real kind of, um, those are those times and marks in our, in our, our calendar year that may have a real effect on us. Maybe it is, you know, suffering, dealing with the loss of a loved one at, you know, Christmas, for example, there may be something very special about Christmas, um, you know for us and uh, that our child or whatever um and those are things i think that i i like the way you brought that to light to to help people to understand that yes this is these are things that we're going to have to deal with um the ball analogy was beautiful i and and seeing that ball get smaller as you talk about and maybe not hitting the that red that pain button um, as often as as it used to be um the time time is still you know, I think your point, too is just get over it. That whole thing was really very true. There's so many people that tend to do that with us. And so I just like the analogy. I like the way you brought that brought that out tonight and shared that with us. So appreciate that.
0: Yeah, great. Well thanks. And, uh, that uh, well, sorry. got an echo there. Um, that, yeah, that analogy of the the box really helped me um to see how trauma can get less but also to, to not beat ourselves up when you know maybe it's been long enough i shouldn't you know how can i still feel like so much the pain of that that trauma it's been too long it you know it should get less and less and less right now sometimes it can be just as traumatic as the the moment that it first happened because even if the little ball is just little when it hits the little pain button it, it can be just as bad as it was the first time that button was ever hit by the big ball, it's just maybe it's hit less. So to, to not feel like you know getting over something is like this nice gradual kind of, no, it's you know, uh, and to, to not beat yourself up. Uh, speaking to myself here uh, too, obviously. Other uh, questions?
1: ordinary time, and um, just taking us, yeah, I mean, it's so true, uh, how the seasons, I always call it the seasons come up, where our loss happened, and then the birthdays and all those events, um, and, you know, but to move, to look forward versus back, I think is helpful too, to think of it that way.
0: Yeah, and, and notice that as we go forward uh it doesn't mean we never think about the past no we we, we circle back around it's just that when we circle around we're, we're in a different place um and I, I know i've had some some real traumatic moments in in my life and i i know that part of my own integration of it i guess you would call it is that i'm able to as i circle back around you know each time anniversaries come up maybe i'm able to appreciate more. Okay, now I can see, well, there is some good that has come. If this hadn't happened, this wouldn't have happened. And, you know, all these things that maybe people try to tell us when things first happen. Um, well, look on the good. Look at the good. When you're traumatized, you're just too much in the pain to, to look at the good. I mean, I you can tell yourself, oh, yeah, well, here's, I know God still loves me and I, you know, and this and that. And we can fill our minds with truth, but they can seem almost like kind of platitudes, uh, when all you can feel is emotional sort of pain. But as we go around again, sometimes we, we can actually start to look and say, Okay, yeah, the the pain is less, the the ball's getting smaller, so I can kind of see, oh well, you know, look at look at this. This this happened and and then you can you can start to appreciate it, but that's a sign that we're 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 healing. It you can't force it to, to make that happen and I guess what I can kind of see that when when people that care about us say, you know, I, I I think you should stop thinking about it, or I think you should should move on, or what what they're really saying is that they wish we could be in a place where this pain wasn't hurting us. That's how I try to hear it. After I want to punch him in the face, I, I try to think like, yeah, okay, um, this person said this really stupid and sensitive thing because they actually love me, and what they're really trying to say is, I wish you weren't hurting but it comes out like, well, you should just stop thinking about it is what you should do. What they really mean to say is, I, I wish you were healed in a way that you weren't in so much pain having to think about this. That's what they would say if they could say it, right? Uh, but they they just don't quite know how to say it. Um, so that that's at least how I kind of give people a break uh, sometimes when they make comments that don't quite make sense or are hurtful a little bit. <laughs> Free priest, real life, free priest. Well, um, oh, there you go. I just wanna say thank you. I, I made notes all along the line here. Things that just reached home to me so much. And I love that thought, time throughout the year. Mm. That, uh, that's just kind of our life, time throughout the year. Too. and uh, you have uh, you've helped me in my thinking and the way I look at it through my heart too and i love your last approach you to- about instead of saying move on that they're really trying to help you because we know that knife when they say move on so you've given me a whole new outlook on that and thank you so much father thank you Oh well, thanks, Trish. Yeah, I I, I appreciate that. Um, I'm I'm passing on the fruit of some of my my own experience because you know I'm as as a priest I like to help people and particularly try to bring God's healing and, and mercy to people and um, I I want people to to be able to be free from pain and suffering. But you know, God does too, and yet He still allows it, uh, and that's. That's a bit of the mystery. God, we know, could take away all the pain and suffering, and those questions about why did God allow this to happen? And boy, don't we all go through that? And hey, priests don't have any magic answer to this. The the I you know put on my theologian hat, um, put on my theologian hat, literally, and. I can tell you that, um, yeah, Uh, the answer is God allows free will. And so God could have made a perfect world with no suffering, but then there wouldn't be any free will. And if there's no free will, we we can't really love God. And so the only way we can love God is if he makes us free. And if we're free, then the world isn't determined. And that means that bad things can happen to good people. And as a result of that, uh, all the suffering in the world exists because of the fall. And in the end, everything will be made well, and God doesn't allow more suffering than we can handle. And so in heaven, all will be made well, because God cannot be outdone in generosity and good triumphs over evil. That's blah. Doesn't mean anything when you just lost your your kid. I mean, like, yeah, I still all know that up here, but forget that. I just want my kid back, you know, or my my friend that that died, or that I lost this relationship that was important. So, yeah, you can't talk yourself into feeling better. I mean, a little bit. There's a whole mind over mood kind of thing in psychology right now. That there's something to it. That yeah, if if we if all we go to are negative thoughts and never do anything to try to at least acknowledge good, then we we can't get into kind of a downward spiral. And so, um, it you know, there are some things we can do, but the worst thing you can do is, is feel like you're down and feeling miserable and someone comes and tells you, well, it's your fault, you know, because basically you got to get over this. this is what you got to do. <sighs> Give me a break. So I'm sorry if anyone has ever uh, said that to you. Just remember, they care. They love you, and that's why they're saying that. Um, yeah. All right. Father,
1: thank you so much. Anybody else have any uh, comments or questions before we wrap up? Once we get past COVID, I'd love to get Father Sean back in, in a live setting with us. Um, his, uh, he just, he just always does a great job and um, loves a sense of humor and everything else that goes along with it. So. Uh, anybody else have anything before we wrap up tonight? I am very uh, excited to see my good friend, Deacon Bill Graveman, joining us tonight. Deacon Bill is going to be our speaker next month. Um, and for those of you who may or may not know, we, we're, he's going to talk about something so very important. He's addressed this at one point. Um, some of you were at that particular event. Um, we, t- we talked about... Um, the dangers of mediums and psychics and and as as parents who've lost children it's kind of a natural thing for us to want to know where our kids are and how they're doing Um, but by the same token what ends up tending to happen in in those situations is we are kind of looking for answers in the wrong places. Um, Bill is going to address that he's part of the deliverance ministry but Bill has spoken before some of you experienced uh, Bill's um, visit with us when we, i think that was at uh if i remember right queen of the holy rosary uh pat that brown's Parish, and uh, met there and, and, and Bill spoke and it was fantastic information and so i i just want to encourage you to next month to make sure you join us it'll be the it's always the last tuesday of the month um uh, and we're going to do it zoom we, we i don't know we're still kind of playing it by ear we may go we may do live, too, but we will probably do Zoom for sure. And um, and then, of course, um, you know, let Bill really kind of take off and talk about the importance of, of understanding that. It's, it's something that's so, um, it, it's very, oh gosh, easy to get caught up in those things. And we have to be very, very careful. So uh, Bill will speak to that next month in our meeting. So Bill, good, great to see you tonight. Thank you again for coming out and uh, we had a lot of people uh, thank you to everyone in the group that have, have offered prayers and comments about um, losing my brother Dan to COVID here in December and um, Bill thank you for coming out for the funeral and being part of that with some of the deacon cohort and that meant a lot to me it really did so thank you all for the prayers and the thoughts and um, fortunately just got over COVID myself after a couple of weeks and Wish it on anybody, but uh, we move forward now and, and just know that uh, you got know, to continue to trust in God and so just so thankful. And Father, if you wouldn't mind uh, maybe closing with a prayer, and giving us your blessing. Sure. sure. And, and uh, uh, if anybody else has any other questions? I just have one quick thing. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, Thank no, you. Okay. Kelly, I'm, you I'm can almost forgetting. Next time. This is The Leaven, and kind of here's our article. So it's a whole big page. So you can read the story about the green rocks in The eleven. Yes. It, but it's a, neat, it's a neat inspirational story. Awesome. It's kind of like Father said, you know, something good came out of something really tragic. So, you know. Awesome.
0: Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, we definitely want to talk about that too. So. Yeah. yeah, and I uh, – I will ask your prayers. I am, I'm going on my annual retreat tomorrow. So I am driving out to the mountains because I need some mountains. I, I go to the mountains to find God. Um, well, I find God everywhere, but uh, mountains are kind of nice. So I'm gonna go on retreat. And um, some of you uh, might be aware of my my online ministry, Sean the Baptist. Uh, my name is Sean, which is the Irish version of John. And so my, my patron saint is John the Baptist. And uh, that makes me Sean the Baptist. And uh, no, I've never been a Baptist. I've always been Catholic, but I am Sean the Baptist. Um, so if you go to my website, seanthebaptist.org, that's S-H-A-W-N, thebaptist.org, I have three podcasts. I, I podcast my homilies from each Sunday for the last 10 years. Um, and then I, I have a daily podcast, about five minutes every morning, just a spiritual reflection, a lot of times on the readings of the Mass or the Saint of the Day. You can get that podcast. And then every Wednesday night at 6.30, I do a live show on Facebook. Uh, So if you go to seanthebaptist.org, there's a big button at the top for Facebook. You can just click on Facebook. Uh, I'm live 6.30. But when that's over, I put it on YouTube. Uh, So you can get the Marty message on YouTube. You can get Sean the Baptist live on YouTube. Go to seanthebaptist.org, not .com. And you can click on all my social media. Uh, Please follow me. Please like me. I'd really like it if you'd like me. Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter, everything. Go check it out on SeanTheBaptist.org. Uh, and uh, I am, I'd be happy to uh, include you in my, my daily prayers as the, uh, the morning message uh, goes out to start your day well. And you can share that and pass it along. And um, if you've got questions, uh, please join me on Wednesdays at 630. Speaking of which, I'm going on retreat tomorrow. So I will not be live tomorrow, and I was wondering, I've, I recorded our little session tonight. Uh, is it okay if I like share that as this week's Sean the Baptist Live, our, our little talk tonight? Okay. Absolutely. So you guys can be famous. You'll be the Sean the Baptist Live show tomorrow night, not live. Awesome. This episode previously recorded. <laughs> all right. Well, it was great to be with you all. I'll end with a little blessing and prayer here. Um, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Jesus, we thank you that you chose to come among us, not just as as God, as you've always been with your people, you've been in your creation from the beginning, but you chose to come to us in the most intimate way possible. You became one of us, and not just a perfect one of us, but you came as a, a little baby, as a little tiny zygote one cell in the womb of Mary your mother and and grew into an embryo and a fetus and you were born and you grew and you experienced grief and and loss all the time the death of your friend Lazarus you saw the hurt and the pain and suffering of all your disciples and you who are God and so good I never want to see anyone suffer and, and yet you came to show us that although you love us you, you love us enough to allow us to, to suffer in ways that are good for our eternal salvation. We, we pray through our Blessed Mother Mary and her intercession that as we go through this valley of tears, we may arrive at our heavenly homeland where, Mary, you are queen and seated at the right hand of Jesus. Help us to not despair, to lose hope as we go through the year. And not just through this year, but through the years of our life, in between those big spiritual powerful experience where we know you're present and we love it or when we're in the deep valley and we wonder where you're at uh, help us to go through the ordinary times the time through the year uh, that we might arrive at the end of time safely with you and we bless all those who are joining our group tonight in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit Amen. go with god all vaya con dios great to be with you and uh, maybe we'll we'll be together again